Yo, Eagles Nation, stand up. Barkley put it, <laughs> looking like another grease pole night in Philly. 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 Facts. Ah, uh, yes. Great to be starting another work week off with you wonderful people, my favorite people in the world, my supporters. I appreciate you for taking part. In episode 53 of the Grease Pole Podcast, as always, you can follow the pod on IG at Grease Pole Podcast. I am also on Twitter at Grease Pole Pod. Every episode is available on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. New episodes drop each and every Monday to start your work week off right. You know, leave work, pour yourself a strong one. If you're responsible and you're able to drink during the weeknights, days you work the next day and get up the next morning like an adult, I am not one of those people. Um, so, yeah, if you are, hats off to you. Appreciate you taking part. Episode 53, ladies and gentlemen. Some more draft stuff to get into. We are actually going to do uh, the second annual of something here today that I am very, very pumped up for. But before we do, Justin, um, I'm very excited because today, uh, it will be coming out next week, of course, but... We uh we pick MLS squads yes. today, yes. and I remember texting you last week like, man, I am oddly excited to be aligning Finally. myself. Yeah, at thirty three years old with a fucking footy team. <laughs> yes, I think it's time. Uh, I, you know, we got off to a good start last week with the the MLS East. Yes, and un unfortunately for the West, there is like a clear leader in the clubhouse. There is. Uh, we'll see if it holds up after today, but yeah. I got to tell you, dude, there's definitely so Eastern Conference recap of the MLS gear drops tomorrow, by the way, kids, you can check it out. Uh, give us a follow at Gear Freaks Pod on IG and Twitter. New episodes drop on all platforms each and every Tuesday. Subscribe, rate, review, spread the word, all that good stuff. Um, I definitely came away not, you know, I don't want to spoil anything here, but the ones I, the one that I thought I was going to walk away with is is yeah. not yeah not really you know not really still prevalent yeah as as we sit here right now looking to narrow this thing down going into the west you know i will say this going in <clears throat> i was a toronto fc supporter right and so it's very much up in the air mm-hmm. and i saw some gear that i was like yo solid <laughs> very much so and uh like a squad on the come up I mean, yeah. I guess technically, I think they were zero and two or something. So they're <laughs> they're bottom of the league, but you never hey, know. Got to start somewhere, right? Man. And something about getting behind an underdog before, right? Get in on the ground level. Yeah, you know. And so you know, FC had won a cup a few years ago, and they've always kind of been in the conversation. So it's like, and I gotta, I'll I'll be frank. They they didn't bring it with the gear. Yeah. It's the one jersey that I was wearing last year that like I loved. It looks good. It was right. the reason I got behind them. Yeah. And I feel like they kind of moved away from what I loved about that jersey. Yeah, and there's some upstarts now, you yes. know. And what's funny is because if you come into this as non-footy guy or gal like me, you kind of can never it's difficult to get past the fact that there's big ass sponsors yeah. on the front of the the kits mm-hmm. as they call them. <laughs> um but I got to say, man, as we were going through the, the East last week, you know, the first couple, it was kind of like, eh, it's distracting. Yeah. Eventually, you know what I did, though? I got the fuck over it. Yeah. You know, it's, it's like. It's not that bad. Well, yeah, it's really not. It's not. It's different when you're looking through them, you know, in sequence as opposed to like, oh, I'm flipping through the TV. There's nothing to watch. Oh, I came across footy. You know, hey, I'm watching a Chevy dealership go against a fucking bread company yes you know yeah. like that's how it looks obviously it's not what it is but 
you know, it. I found myself getting way less frustrated with it as we walked through it last week, which is nice. It, it would be really gross if, like, the NFL did it, because the NFL is making buckets and buckets of money. Yes. And they don't need sponsorships on their uniforms. They don't, but they still want more money, hence a, hence the a 17th game, which is a whole other conversation. Yes. Gross, gross, gross. Yeah, but gross, hey, gross, gross. player safety, though. <laughs> yeah, right. Right, thank you. I never thought about that with nope. the NFL ever nope. once. I think so. I might be the only person that is against, that has like a football-related pod that is not pro 17-game schedule. I fucking hate it. I think it's terrible. But it's awful. <laughs> that is an awful, awful, awful idea. I always thought 16 was too long. Dude, it's yeah. a grueling schedule. The for Thursday football. night games. Yeah. Like, I'm here to say, man, and it's been a while since I played, but you can't. Sunday, you play a game, especially if you're on a West Coast later game, and then you have to play turnaround three, four days later and get up for a Thursday night game. And yeah. everybody bitches that Thursday games are terrible. Well, no shit. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody's dead. Like, <laughs> This is the part of the week where you start to feel human again. And then, oh, well, at least they get 10 days before their next game. Because most of the time after a Thursday game, they'll get a bye. Right. Like, okay, that's cool, but. Still made them turn around in four days. Yeah, like at the end of the day, that's just like a consolation hand job. I mean, <laughs> fuck. Like, that's the least you could do. Yes, you know. Please. Christ. With, with the reach round, thanks. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> anyway, I didn't mean to get bogged down the 17-game schedule, but anyway. Um, yeah, you know, the NFL wants more money, don't need it for a, a, a league like the MLS that, you know, they're doing fine, clearly, because they've been around for shoot, 25 years ish. Yeah, yeah. In that general range. So they figured out a way to make it work. Right. Sponsorships on the uniforms is a big way. And yeah, I got to tell you, like we saw in those inaugural uniforms, not to give every <laughs> everything away, but in the 90s. Like, if they didn't have all that, we'd be looking at some, like, awful-ass designs. Oh, dude, yeah. Seriously, so, man. Some Discovery Zone shit. Yeah. I, you know, I'll take, I'll take the, the, the subdued uniforms with the logos, thanks. For sure, for sure, man. And it's not, it, 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 it's real easy to get past. Um, there's some good stuff in there. And I yeah. got to, you know, as, as an Eagles pod, I got to look. I'm not going to spoil too much, but I expected more out of the union. I wanted, I wanted. <laughs> I, uh, I man. was looking through some of the stuff, like the uh, on fanatics, <laughs> and I'll just say this: <laughs> the blue and yellow. Yep, yep. Really, really, really <laughs> destroyed every chance. Oh, dude, that, that that squad had. It's. If if you're a listener of the pod, a we appreciate you. B, there is one kit in particular that is it's beyond it's it's blue bomber level, it's Florida Tuskers level bad, L.A. Yeah. Extreme, yes. you name it, the ones we rail on constantly. Yeah, <laughs> this is in the conversation, and I hate it because it's my hometown. <laughs> but just doing you wrong, fuck man. It, it, it's funny because there's a certain uh, a certain weather element on there yep yep that seemed like a personal middle finger to you <laughs> right like it was yeah you know we like you Corey, and all but hey yeah there's this <laughs> suck on it motherfucker you know it's like man i was so disheartened when that I, came up dude yeah like, like heartbroken pieces <laughs> like, on, oh, man. and this is like a thing this wasn't like a one-time deal like nope. they're there to That's stay ways they Yikes. are there they're regular. Yep. This isn't like, you know, those awful Frankfurt Yellow Jackets Eagles throwbacks that we wore one time once in two two thousand seven against the uh, the fucking Lions and realized, oh Oof, shit, let's not, <laughs> let's abort these motherfuckers. Get out, Christ, dude. But <coughs> the journey through the first half of the MLS was a blast. So I'm very much looking forward to seeing if there's anything because we we've gone over some of like the squad names. Yeah. So there's possibilities via name. For sure. Who knows who's got the gear and the color scheme yeah. that's going to hold. Let's see what the what the swag looks like because there was another one that I thought just looking at the, the cities that had teams, there was one that we both thought was going to bring it a little harder. Yeah. And we, like it was, it was fine, but we were kind of let down a little bit. Very much so. And I, I will say, though, I was looking at some shirts for that particular squad. Okay. Like just T-shirts. Right. 
a lot closer to what we were looking for. Okay. So why didn't you do that with the kits? If you can make it a t-shirt, you know what costs more than a t-shirt? The kit, the jerseys, the kits, rather. I would buy a jersey if it had those birds on yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> you know? That's kind of cool. Right. I like it. Right. So, I mean, if you want to take more money from us, yeah, just be innovative. Steer into the pink flamingo. That's, That's it. That's it, man. That's it. Or as Al Pacino, Tony Montana calls them pelicans. <laughs> I don't know why that always pops me. The scene in Scarface where he's laying in the in the hot tub. Just, just. I mean, coked out of his skull because Tony Montana, and he's beefing. Yeah, he's beefing with Michelle Pfeiffer, and there's some flamingos on the TV, and he's trying to like ignore her, and the, the flamingos are, are they're flying away. They're going away now, and he goes, "Look at the pelican fly! Come on, pelican!" And you're like, "Bro, come on, man! Not that though, you know? They're not like Those how do you not know the longer? How do you not know the colors?" You know, I feel like the one of the, the, they're pretty obvious to tell apart. <laughs> you would think one would think, but then again, cocaine and quaaludes. Yes, there we go. Hell, Eight, hell of a drug. Nineteen eighty-three. Yikes! Does not help you distinguish between Florida birds. Oh God. So, uh, yeah, we are going to be officially deciding our our MLS squads and aligning for them. Uh, in tonight's episode, after we're going to be recording, it'll be out next week. Uh, the MLS Western Conference. In the meantime, you can catch our thoughts on the Eastern Conference, which includes the Philly Union uh, blasphemous kits that will be available tomorrow on all podcast platforms. Again, subscribe, rate, review. Uh, tell a friend about the Gear Freaks podcast. Follow us at Gear Freaks Pod on IG and Twitter. In the meantime, let's discuss some draft. <laughs> that would be great. <laughs> Thanks, Uncle Les. Go birds. Go birds. (laughs) It's all good. All the sounds make make us happy. All of them, especially Uncle Les. Um, So we did this last year, and I wanted to do it again this year. This is probably going to become one of those staple pods that we we have every year. Um, You know the draft is uh, my favorite drug. Um, It's cocaine and quaaludes for me that allows me to refer to pelicans as flamingos or vice versa or whatever way it was. So what I like to do, again, if you know you missed the episode last year, it was very, very early on in the pod. What I did was, what I enjoy doing while watching the draft is you kind of, you know, especially if you, you're a nerd and you watch tape on guys and you still know guys that are on the board as you get to rounds five and six and seven and so on and so forth, you have guys that when your team comes on the clock, you're like, man, these are the guys I want. I'd like to see these guys here in this spot, which is how I am as I watch the draft each and every year. Um, it's amazing. Three days, I don't do shit other than, you know, I'm, I'm locked in. I watch each and every pick. Um, it, it, you know, it's fantastic. So with each and every pick that is made, there's somebody there that I want. And so what I do every year is, you know, especially now having the pod is, is take notes down of who do I want when the birds are on the clock. Okay, we're on the clock now. Here's how the board's fall, and this is who I want. And, I, you know, it's, it's, it's different than, to me, I'm not in the, in the business of draft grades, right? None of these fucking dudes have even put on, you know, an Eagles jersey yet, a pair of shoulder pads, a helmet, none of that shit, right? So we have no idea how this is going to go. Right. I you, know, you rewind a year ago. I fucking hated the Jalen Hurts pick a year later. I'm pounding the table for him to give him a year at least and put weapons around him, which is what they did. And I'm happy with that. So it, it, to that point, I'm not in the business of give, doing draft grades before anybody does shit. I think it's stupid, but we're in the content business, so I get it. But what I like to do is walk through each and every pick, give you the actual pick, who how he take took who the birds got who we have now at each pick and then juxtapose it to where I would have gone given that same selection now I'm not doing whether or not I would have traded down or traded back in a certain spot you know because there was some movement in this draft traded up in the first round traded back in the third Um, you know what I'm doing is we came into this draft with 11 picks ended with nine 
the nine picks that Howie Roseman made, I'm giving you who I wanted at those nine picks. Okay? So fantasy GM, but not to an egregious amount. So let's start with the first round for obvious reasons, right? So first round, 10th pick, you know, Howie trades up from 12 up to the top 10, leapfrogs the Giants to take Devontae Smith, wide receiver out of Alabama. Um, and look, I got to say, I'm, I'm slowly, the more the more I learn about this guy, the more I hear him talk. You know, he's on Chris Long's, you know, the green light pod. Great dude, you know, seems to be a, a grinder. Great mentality, all about football. Love the dude. I'm not going over the durability issues th- that we've discussed here on the pod numerous times. Point being, I've grown fond of this pick. That said, if we're going to move up here, I had a different guy in mind, and I kind of thought for a second. I allowed myself immediately. My first thought was, oh, of course, we're trading up for Devontae Smith, right? But as, as you know, you kind of, you're thinking there, okay, well, maybe, you know. I allowed myself, as Goodell is approaching the podium, to announce this pick, the Devontae Smith pick, I had a modicum of, well, what if it is? Rashawn Slater what if it is and my thought process was if you're moving up to get a guy like Rashawn Slater I'm all for it I'm all for it I don't want to hear the clown show theory of he's a guard move him in a guard I understand like and okay if he could play guard and if he ends up being fucking Quentin Nelson for the next decade for your team then you know what home run but Ask Chase Young, the reigning defensive rookie of the year in the NFL, if Rashawn Slater can play left tackle or not. Okay? He can. This is a fucking tackle. So, when you look at the offensive line issues slash injuries that happened on this team last year, you know, again, this this offensive line that was so goddamn dominant and one of the best offensive lines you've ever seen the year this team won the Super Bowl, it's, it's not we're on the downslope now. So to me, again, games are won and lost in the trenches. Anybody that knows football will tell you that. So that said, with the 10th pick, I go with Rashawn Slater, offensive tackle out of Northwestern. So to me, no, you don't give Jalen Hurts necessarily that home run weapon there, but you protect him. Whether you do put Slater – Whatever happens with Andre Dillard and Jordan Melato on the left side of the line. You've got Brandon Brooks coming back healthy. Isaac Sayamalu as well. You've got options there, but you can plug Slater wherever you need him, save for center. What you've got Jason Kelsey for at least another year. So, I like Slater a lot. I think the Chargers got a home run with him at 13. The way they are building around Justin Herbert is fucking incredible. That... If you want to see a workshop on how to build around a young quarterback that you know is a stud and has shown you that he can be a franchise quarterback, look at what the L.A. Chargers have done, how they've built around Justin Herbert. Rashawn Slater is a huge part in going towards that. Absolutely love that pick by the Chargers. If, you know, again, 10th spot, my board, I would have gone Rashawn Slater. But at the end of the day, I'm not losing sleep over Devontae Smith. But that's where I would have gone in the first round to open things up. So let's go to Friday night. Second round, 37th overall pick. Landon Dickerson, center out of Alabama. And I'm here to say that this is my favorite pick of the draft. Absolutely love this guy. You know, there's some injuries. Wears two knee braces. If he can, If he can be right... This is this is huge. You have a fucking mauler with this guy. You don't you will Jason Kelsey is a legend in this city in this fan base and he will be forever. Nothing will change that. But if Landon Dickerson is healthy, it will ease the transition from one of the most beloved players in the history of this franchise has been around since fucking 1933. When Jason Kelsey retires, if Landon Dickerson is right, this pick is a home run. This pick's a home run from all reports. Um, you know, he's one of those, those great locker room guys, right? Like a Travis Kelsey is. And I love this pick because you need guys like that to help build a culture and to do all of those things, and that is critical 
in moving forward from what this team had become so quickly. That being said, it is not where I would have gone. Love the pick. But as we're sitting there at 37th overall, the guy I was hoping for was Trevon Merrick, safety out of TCU. To me, Merrick was the best safety in this draft. Um, you know, and you have some other guys with Javon Holland who went, I believe, the pick before this at 36 to Miami. Richie Grant was a high draft pick as well out of UCF. Love his game. There was a lot of good safeties in this class. And I love Javon Holland. I had him as my second best safety, but I think Merrick is the best of the bunch. And to get him at 43 like the Raiders did was a fucking steal. The Raiders are so goddamn weird. Because they take Alex Leatherwood 17th overall, and it's just it like, come on, man, really? I mean, Mike Mayock is constantly the smartest guy in the room. He's Chip Kelly is a GM, and it was just such a fucking idiotic pick. So you get a guy that had a second, you know, round grade on him at 17 overall, and then at 43, you get a guy that had a first round grade on him in Trevon Merrig. I love Trevon Merrig. The way I look at it was this, okay? You bring in Anthony Harris this year. One-year deal, $5 million from from Minnesota. Pro Bowler two years ago, tied for the league leading interceptions. And I love that signing. I love the Anthony Harris signing. You've got Rodney McLeod when he comes back from his ACL injury. Love him as well. Those two will make a good tandem, but their contracts are both up after this year. What does that leave you with? Merrick gives you a guy that you have as your guy for the next presumed five to seven years as you look to kind of rebuild this secondary and make it viable again. Quite frankly, back in the day, if you remember, that's what this team, this defense was known for with Jim Johnson, right? You had Javon Kirsch, the freak up front. You had the ax man, Jeremiah Trotter, sure. But you also had guys... Brian Dawkins, right? The GOAT, fucking Weapon X. Michael Lewis, Lito Shepard, Sheldon Brown. This secondary used to be the best in the damn league. It used to mean something to be a safety or a corner for the Eagles. It does not anymore. So if you're looking to get that identity back a little bit, the Merrick pick to me makes a lot of sense. And my thought process was at 37, if I can get – the quarterback of my defense for the next five to seven years at the safety position and the best safety in the draft, in my opinion, at 37th overall when he should have gone in the first round, I'm taking him. So that's where I went at 37th overall was Trevon Merrick, safety out of TCU, who ended up going 43rd overall a few picks later to uh, Mike Mayock and the Raiders. The third round, 73rd overall pick. This was an interesting one, right? We know why. Joe Donahue. Uh, you know, lead scout, right? Didn't want to give Howie Roseman a fist bump. He was bummed out. He wanted to lean McNeil, defensive tackle out of NC State. Um, the actual pick was Milton Williams, defensive uh, defensive tackle out of Louisiana Tech. And <clears throat> this is this pick pissed me off. And it's nothing against Milton Williams. No offense to him. Okay, because he's by all accounts, you know. And I, you know, the birds were putting out the the you know, the phone calls of, hey, when they're drafting guys and everything on their social media. And hearing hearing this guy, Milton Williams, hearing him tear up when he got drafted was fucking wonderful. You love hearing shit like that, right? I played, I coached, I'm a mark for shit like that. It chokes me up. I get it. Um, so I'm not knocking the kid. And he seems like he's going to be a monster and he's a worker and he's somebody that this city will probably end up loving you know, much like a third-round defensive tackle, like a Benny Logan was back in 2013, right? Not a stud, not a star, not a pro bowler, but a nice rotational guy along this defensive line, which is one of the huge reasons why, if you go back to 2017, why this team was so good was because of the way it was in the trenches. So I get trying to get back to that. I do. But everybody has their guys. If you're a draft evaluator, if you, you know, do this – and you're big on the draft, everybody has their guys that they like every year. One of them, for me, was still on the board with the 73rd pick. Benjamin St. Juice, cornerback out of Minnesota. 
I love this dude's game. Lengthy corner. Seems like he would fit well in, you know, a Jonathan Gannon defense, that press man, you know, high point, the good ball skills. You know, I love St. Juice game. And again, going back to that thought process of rebuilding the secondary, right? With what I would have gone with 37th pick and Merrick, like we just discussed. And you had guys at that point on the board, Liam Eichenberg, Jeremiah Wusu koromoa you know, that fell to the 50s and went to Cleveland, I think 52nd overall. That was another shocker, him sliding down the board like that. Again, there are priorities. There are needs elsewhere. But a big need for me, or a priority, I should say, is reconstructing the secondary to fucking mean something because it gets obnoxious watching this team get fucking torched all the time, right? And if you have corners and safeties that can hang with guys that helps your defensive linemen because your the quarterback the opposing quarterback is not getting rid of the ball as fast now because now instead of going to you know progression one or two he's got to go to three four and maybe even the check down that might be the difference in a guy like Josh Sweat Fletcher Cox Derek Barnett and a guy like that being able Brandon Graham being able to get home and sack the motherfucker so to me, rebuilding this secondary, again, has been a priority and frustrating as fuck for years. That coupled with the fact that I just I love St. Juice. I think he's going to be a stud, especially at this point. Again, I told you when we did the mock draft episode, I expected him to go the second day of the draft. I did not think he would fall to day three, and if he did, he would not have lasted long at all. Um, I love this dude. I would have snatched him up quick as fuck here at 73 overall. And as it were, he would end up going the very next pick, 74th overall, to the Washington football team, just to make matters worse, you know? So, and again, Washington killed the draft, by the way. Uh, I mean, they may have had my favorite draft out of every team in the league. Don't want to end up down that rabbit hole, but, you know, Jamin Davis out of Kentucky, I love that pick. You take a guy like St. Juice, that, that, I almost said the slur that they used to go by. That football team defense, okay, that should be if you're if you're not an IDP, if you're a team defense guy, that's one that should be on your radar this year for sure is the football team defense. And I love the addition of St. Juice. I don't want to credit a rival too much here on the pod, but that's why I would have gone with him with that 73rd overall pick. Absolutely love his game, and I would have loved the way he would have presumably fit in Jonathan Gannon's defense here. Love his game. He was one of my favorite guys in this draft. So that takes care of day one and day two. Let's go to Saturday now with the six remaining picks we've got. And in the fourth round with the 123rd overall pick, the choice was Zach McPherson, corner out of Texas Tech. And I like this pick a lot. I like this pick a lot. Um, you know, you again, address the secondary, right? Daniel Jeremiah on NFL Network said he was the one guy on, for whatever this is worth, in his top 100 players uh, that was still on the board coming into day three that Saturday, right? So, I mean, that you know, cool, awesome, yay. I guess that matters. But if you watch McPherson, I like him. He's good. Um, he's, he's nice value here at the 123rd uh, pick. I like it. Again, attention to the secondary. I'm a fan. Where I would have gone here again, this was another one of my guys in this draft, 123rd pick overall. I would have taken Jalen Darden, wide receiver out of North Texas. You know, it, it, I guess you'd call me a hypocrite, right? Because if I'm going to knock Devontae Smith for his weight, you got to knock Jalen Darden for his size as well. He's 5'7". At least Devontae Smith is, you know, just barely over six foot, right? Darden's small, but he's elusive. I think he could start in the slide immediately. He gets drafted by Tampa at the uh, 129th overall pick. And, you know, he's going to be fucking just buried on that depth chart at receiver down there. But Bruce Arians is smart, man. He'll figure out something to do with him. If nothing else, he'll return punts and kickoffs. We discussed that. He not only brings, you know, elusiveness and shit to your offense that you can utilize in in bubble screens and jet sweeps and things of that nature, but he he's effective in the return game. So if nothing else, you know, Tampa's got a special teams guy that they can use now in Jalen Darden. I liked him a lot. Um he he is very much, I think he's going to be a boom or bust guy. Um, I, I lean more toward him being a boom player. I don't think that's going to necessarily mean he's going to be a Hall of Famer, no. But I like what he brings to the table 
at this stage in the draft with 123rd pick. So, again, it's certainly not a knock on Zach McPherson. I really like this pick. I, however, would have gone with Jalen Darden, receiver out of North Texas, with the 123rd overall pick. <clears throat> this is another pick here in the fifth round, the 150th excuse me, pick overall. I like this one a lot. And I'm going to say that Howie and I here were pretty much in lockstep when he chose Kenny Gainwell running back out of Memphis. And I ended up going that same route as well. Another guy that I had, I was kind of eyeing here at this spot. And again, this may be because I'm, you know, I'm Penn State fan, I'm a Big Ten guy. Uh, Jamar Johnson, safety out of Indiana, who ended up going, I believe, 164th to Denver. I liked him value-wise at this spot, but I am not a Boston Scott guy. I am not. And this was prior to the Detroit Lions waving carry on Johnson and us picking him up, which I fucking love that move. I love it. But I go in and I'm thinking, okay, Jordan Howard, eh, you know, maybe he's a camp body. You know, he might make the, you know, the final roster, who knows, but I'm not a big Boston Scott guy. So I wanted to leave this draft with a running back. And when you look at the ones that were available at this point, Gainwell was easily the best of the bunch. Again, fifth round, 150th overall value steal at this point. This is the part of the draft where you take running backs, third, fourth, fifth round, right? Gainwell, again, as a as a Penn State fan, watching him two years ago against Penn State in the Cotton Bowl, you know, he was all over the field. He scored a touchdown. He looked good. So he was on my radar from that game going forward, and he was a name that you had seen that the Birds bring in for a, had brought in, or not brought in, rather, were in COVID, but a Zoom you know, meeting status that they had met with him with one of their pre-draft visits. So, And you know if you are familiar with Howie and his track record, you can tell a lot by who he visits with and things of that nature. He a lot of times will take those guys in these spots which is where Kenny Gainwell comes off the board here with the 150th overall pick. I'm very much in favor. It's one of my favorite picks of the draft. Absolutely love it. Let's move on to the sixth round. And we start with the 189th pick in the sixth round. Or excuse me, 189th overall, sixth round pick. How he took Marlon Tuapolotu, defensive tackle out of USC. Big guy, again, defensive lineman, rotational piece to bulk up that O-line or excuse me, D-line, you win and you lose in the trenches, I don't hate the pick. I don't hate the pick. Big guy, stout, I like it. You know, where I I lean going here, the guy I've gotten, again, keep in mind that as much as I love the Landon Dickerson pick, that was not where I went in the second round. I, I would have gone with Merrick. So I've still got in the back of my head, we've got to replace Travis Kelsey, excuse me, Travis Kelsey, Jason Kelsey eventually. With his impending retirement, if you follow the pod on IG, this is a guy I had profiled leading up to the draft. Love this dude, part of Kentucky's big blue wall, where I would have gone with the 189th pick is Drake Jackson, center out of Kentucky. You know, a little bit undersized, but, you know, a worker, that blue-collar mindset that this this city, this fan base loves and appreciates so much. You know, he's – at this point, you got value in Drake Jackson. I certainly wouldn't have taken him in the fourth round. But with 189th overall pick, I like it. And I think that adds, again, does that mean he's going to end up having a Jason Kelsey career? No, but it gets you a guy in there that can that can sit and watch and learn. And at this point, I think his value and has upside. You know, at the 189th pick, you can sit here and use the Brady cliches, but let's be honest, most dudes at this point in the draft aren't fucking home runs. They're just not. Yes, you get a few, of course, but – you know, if I can get a guy to come in and possibly be the heir apparent at one of the most important positions on the field and take over possibly for one of the most important players in the locker room, I'm going to do it. And I like Drake Jackson's game a lot. You know, again, Kentucky's offensive line has been very good. Uh, you know, that's why they're cranking out running backs down there. You know, Benny Snell out of Pittsburgh um, or Benny Snell in Pittsburgh now, rather. You know, they're, Kentucky's making things happen down there, and that's where I would have gone with the 189th overall pick. I just like the value Drake Jackson brought to the table. He ended up actually going undrafted and uh, signed as an undrafted free agent with Detroit, who just extended Frank Ragnall their center. So, you know, again, Drake Jackson provides depth for that Detroit Lions offensive line that is going to bite kneecaps off now with Panay Sewell under head coach Dan Campbell. So there's that. Two picks later, 191st pick overall, and I popped for this one. 
I popped for this one more so than probably most people did for 191st pick in the draft. And the reason I did is because if you go back to the seventh round, the seventh round mock episode that we did, I had this guy going and he was on my radar at this point. I had this guy going, I believe, with one of the next uh, – It was. I think I had him going with the 225th pick, which we ended up moving um, and moving back a little bit. But we still took him, and I was so fucking pumped to get him. Teron Jackson, the edge rusher out of Coastal Carolina. I was so damn happy at this point. Again, he was on my mind, on my board, obviously. Had him in the mock, so I've got him here as well at the same pick. Why I'll pink the room. I'll take him here at 191 as well. And it was just fun to, first of all, again, that Coastal Carolina team, that teal turf, good for them, man. They were kind of in a year where college football, if you're a college football fan like I am and you enjoy Saturdays and Sundays every, you know, the weekend, right, from, you know, late August to December, that's what it is all weekend is you just binge football. Coastal Carolina was a fun story this past year, and that's how Teron Jackson, you know, emerged on my radar um, and a year that my college team in Penn State fucking sucked. They were they were kind of my side team a little bit, were the Chanticleers. And watching this guy, you know, the, the game that everybody watched when they referenced Coastal Carolina, right, against BYU, when they kind of played each other on a, on a you know, a moment's notice on, on the Smurf turf in Boise. Uh, you know, Teron Jackson was a guy that was, you know, running around harassing Zach Wilson, the fucking child that the Jets took with the second overall pick at quarterback. You know, so to get that guy at this point again, this is just another rotational defensive lineman. Is Teron Jackson going to fucking lead the league in sacks and QB pressures? Probably not. But it's a great story, small school. You can't help but root for guys like this. He was on the national stage against BYU. He looked good chasing around the second overall pick in Zach Wilson. You can't help but root for guys like this. I love Coastal Carolina. I had him going in the mock again, so that's why I popped like hell for the 191st pick in Teron Jackson, the edge rusher out of Coastal Carolina. So I mentioned that we had at one point two six-round picks back-to-back, 224-225. We ended up moving 225. Stayed at 224, however, and, you know, this is another one at this stage in the draft. I – the actual pick was Jacoby Stevens, safety out of LSU. I like the pick. Fine pick. Where I was hoping for, though, I was actually shocked that this guy was still on the board. You know, this was a guy that was kind of projected in these really super early, and this is why you can never go by, like, when 2022 mock drafts are coming out right now, eh, take it with a grain of salt, right? Because a lot of shit's going to change in a year. This was a guy that you were seeing in the first, second round of – 2021 mocks this time a year ago and it kind of did surprise me to see him still on the board with the 224th pick I went with Tamorion Terry wide receiver out of FSU and again this is a guy you know in in on my board having not gone with Devontae Smith in the first round and opting to go with Rashawn Slater we had taken Darden in the fourth round Tamorion Terry isn't going to light the league on fire no but the value at this point to me was incredible you know, he's 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 good. He's not a burner. He's a bigger body guy. You know, you liked what you've seen from him at Tallahassee the last couple years. Tamorion Terry with 224th pick in the draft is absolute is a steal. And he signs with Seattle as an undrafted free agent. And it's funny because the Seahawks are fucking goofy. They'll they'll reach on a guy every year and draft third round dudes in the first round, but then they'll go out and get absolute bargains as an undrafted free agent like they did with Tamorion Terry. So I found that interesting. Again, I was shocked to see him on the board at that point. Nobody took him, and it's, it just speaks to how good the draft is when you have a guy of that caliber of a talent in college going undrafted. There were a lot of undrafted free agents this year that were intriguing, and he was one of them that signed with Seattle. I would have taken him with a 224th pick in the draft. So let's move on to the final pick in the draft as it – Ended up being, again, you know, we go from 11 picks down to nine. This was the ninth pick in the draft. Seventh round, 234th overall pick. Howie snagged Patrick Johnson, the edge rusher, out of Tulane. And, again, like this pick, I'm fine with it. You know, there there really wasn't any pick in this draft that I fucking hated, right? The Milton Williams one kind of pissed me off at the time, but, you know, whatever. This is another one of these, you know – Again, the trenches is how he come out and said we won the Super Bowl with depth in the trenches, being able to rotate and keep guys fresh. 
That's how we're going to win another championship. Well, okay. <laughs> you know, but it, it's nice to see the trenches get emphasized, whether it be offense or defense. And to add this many guys on the defensive line is encouraging. I'm fine with it. At this point in the draft, I have no issue with Patrick Johnson. I went the same position, edge rusher. I took Shaka Tony out of Penn State. And, you know, again, this may be kind of a homer pick as a Penn State guy. Shaka Tony's also a Philly guy, born and raised. And Tony ended up going 246 to the Washington football team. And, you know, Shaka Tony's a guy that gets after the quarterback. You know, Yator Gross Matos got drafted last year, second round by Carolina. Micah Parsons opted out this past year. Jason Away got no sacks this year, as is well noted. You know, the first rounder, 31st overall to Baltimore. Shaka Tony was the guy that was, you know, out there making noise for the Penn State defense. Um, you know, he just he gets to the quarterback, you know, not not flashy. He's not a guy that's going to come out and get you 12, 15 sacks every year. But he is a nice rotational piece on defense, which is perfect what this team thrives on and which should be a priority. Again, I'm splitting hairs here because that's exactly what Patrick Johnson is going to be as well. You see the emphasis in this draft on bulking up that defensive line because that was a strength of this team the year we won the Super Bowl. So I'm fine to see it. I would have just gone a different route there. Same position, just instead of Patrick Johnson, I would have taken Shaka Tony, edge rusher out of Penn State. So let's do a quick recap real quick. First round, I took uh, Rashawn Slater, offensive tackle out of Northwestern. Second round, 37th pick, Trevon Merrick, safety out of TCU. Third round, 73rd pick overall, Benjamin St. Juice, cornerback out of Minnesota. Fourth round, 123rd overall, Jalen Darden, wide receiver out of North Texas. Fifth round, 150th pick, Kenny Gainwell, wide receiver out of Memphis. Sixth round, 189th pick overall, Drake Jackson, center out of Kentucky. Sixth round, 191st pick overall, Teron Jackson, edge rusher, out of Coastal Carolina, sixth round, 224th pick, Tamorian Terry, wide receiver out of Florida State. And with the seventh round, 234th pick overall, Shaka Tony, edge rusher out of Penn State. Curious to get your thoughts. Get with me, as always, at Greasepole Podcast over on IG. Uh, you know, let me know what you think. You know, any picks, your favorite picks, your least favorite picks, what you would have done at these spots. I'm curious to hear. And, you know, in the coming weeks, what I'll probably do is go back and and in my notes and see how everything. You know, we did this episode last year as well. Um, I think it was episode four or five. It was super early on in the pod where we did the head to head with Howie thing, uh, the 2020 version. And, you know, maybe we'll go back through and kind of notate, you know, where I went, where Howie went and how his picks panned out, how mine panned out. And, you know, maybe we'll make that a thing going forward from year to year. Uh, we'll see. But I also want to go in the coming weeks and I want to take a look at the upcoming draft classes coming out and why I believe it is critical to hold on to these three first rounders. Two that we definitely have, two first, two seconds potentially three firsts, one second. Obviously, that's the ideal version, depending on what happens with the Ginger Judas in Indianapolis. But, you know, there's the Peter King just came out today, and he goes, you know, and it's it's not sourced in anything, but he feels like the birds are the team that's going to end up trading for Deshaun Watson, who is still battling legal troubles over fucking happy, end, happy endings. You know, no crazy shit happened during the draft. How he come out and he says, we're going to, you know, give Jalen the keys and we're going to build the lineup and put well, put weapons around him and everything else. And that's what they did in this draft. And I hope they continue to. And that's that's your best way to see what you got. That's your best way to see what you got. And your best way to see what you got, furthermore, is to stick with those three first rounders you're going to have or two in two seconds next year and bolster that roster even more. And I think with next year's draft class, I don't think you want to part ways with that draft capital. I don't. Again, it's kind of, you know, I don't want to be counterintuitive and say that 2022 mock drafts ahead of time are, you know, stupid because I think they are. I get content. But I do want to take a look at the draft class that's coming out because it is – it. It's a good one. I mean, they're all good at this point, right? The colleges, you know, they're cranking out these players so much that – you're going to get elite players in each and every draft. It just depends on the depth at each position going down the board. 
And I think next year is going to be a great draft to have a shit ton of picks. I really do. And I hope to God that Howie stands pat. What do you think about this year's draft? What do you think about the nine picks that Howie made? What do you think about the nine that I made? Curious to get your thoughts at Greased Pole Podcast on IG is where you can hit me up. Always curious to get your feedback. Love to get your feedback as well. Five-star review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify if you think it rocks. Give it one if you think it sucks. Whatever you feel, any feedback is better than none. Appreciate you taking part in the ride as always. I will see you back here next Monday. As always, go birds. Yo, how'd Barkley put it? <laughs> Looking like another grease pole night in Philly. 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 Facts. Go birds. Go birds. That would be great.
Yo, how'd Barkley put it? <laughs> Looking like another grease pole night in Philly. 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 Thanks.